Mud Stories, Episode 19. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place my mental processes were so backwards in the way that I processed things to where I then became incredibly suicidal and, and knew I cannot be alone. Like but the lie that I constantly heard was everything would be better if I wasn't here. When you have nothing and I have nothing, we have everything. I don't know, that's what I think about when I think about these, all of us really, who have our own mud stories or who have mud stories coming, you know. I wish I could sit with them all on that couch and say like, it's okay, this is actually where it gets good. We actually don't have to be inspiring, we, we actually can't be inspiring, but we can point to a God um, that we are inspired by. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so excited you're here with me today because I think you're just going to be so blessed by my guest today. Her name is Jess Connolly, and I had the privilege of hearing Jess speak this past August at the Declare Conference, and her talk was so powerful, and it moved me in deep ways, and I just resonated with her spirit and her love for God, and I think her words are going to bless you so much today. Jess is the wife to a really handsome pastor, she says, the mom to four crazy rambunctious kids, and she loves to call herself not only a coffee lover, but a hope junkie. Jess is crazy busy. She's the co-founder of the Influence Conference and Network, and she also founded and began her Naptime Diaries shop in 2011, which has been growing ever since. Jess resides in South Carolina with her husband and four kids, and together they're passionate about the gospel and community. Well, you're in for a treat because in this episode, Jess candidly shares her mud story, including the issues that are so common to brokenness. Drugs, sex, alcohol, suicide attempts, her battle with smoking, depression, identity, and the constant brokenness of feeling not enough. Together, we discuss the messiness of motherhood, and boyfriends, it can be so messy, (laughs) the challenges of having kids close in age, and the power of not only counseling and intervention when we're broken, but the presence, power, and touch of God as we choose to press in and run toward Him, even in the middle of our most broken moments. I don't think there's anyone I know who's more willing to shoot straight and tell it like it is. And Jess champions the love of God in ways that only the broken can know. If you're in a hard spot today, or maybe you know someone who is, may you find so much hope today in her words, in our conversation as you listen. So very much hope. Enjoy. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Jackie. I'm really, I'm really excited. I cannot wait. Awesome. Well, I have to confess, I've been stalking your 31 Days October series called Messy Motherhood. And (laughs) I I, love it. I know. And I just have to say, as a mom of five, because I have five kids and four of mine were all born within five years. I love it. And um, I live a very messy life as well. Mm-hmm. And I I hit the second day's post called Motherhood Confessions. And I'm pretty sure you'd been reading my mind when you wrote that post. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad. I mean, you talked about how noise overwhelms you and you're yes. short fused. Okay, so I have this thing with my kids. My kids, they're 12, 10, 8, and 6. And we have a Suburban. And eight and six. Got it. Okay. I was picturing it in my head. Yeah. So the Suburban is long and, you know, you know, there's a back seat. It's pretty far back there. But they yeah. love to take these little Pluffies animals, these Thai baby things. They have like 
a ton of them. And they all have their little unique personalities. So they bring them in the car and they have these little voices for each one. And they're really high pitched and they their animals talk. They make these melodramas in the car. I don't know why yes. they feel like the car needs to be the place for that. Yes. And so like I try to be the patient mommy at the steering wheel. I even try to listen to my own stuff on my earbuds and whatever. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. all the high pitched noises escalate. And then all of a sudden it's like I can feel myself. I'm almost elevating off the seat. And all of a sudden I just break and I like go into yes. this. Stop. You have to be quiet, you know. And yes. so I can relate to what you were saying about then it, it teaches them to like get a little hostile in their reactions too. Yes. And so it's like God shows me that they're doing what I do. And it's just, <laughs> it's kind of ugly. It is. And the whole paper plates thing, I'm totally a paper plates girl. Oh, I'm so glad. We do date night every week too. And showers yeah. are hit and miss. I could just, you. it just resonated so much. So oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, thanks for your I'm series. I'm so glad. Um, it's funny, after I started writing that, I had a really sweet conversation with my mom and my sister where they sat me down and they were like, hey, like, can we talk about the word messy? Because um, it like, it sounds really negative and neither of them are like interneters or bloggers, but, um, they obviously like read my blog occasionally and they were like, we just feel like you're not like owning, you know, who the Lord is in you. And like, just using that word messy feels like a little bit, I don't know. So it was so beautiful for me. I mean, I feel that from so many other women who resonate with it, who say like, this is how I feel too. I feel like a mess. I feel, yeah. you know, but I think the truth might be like, I think that might be normal. Yes. I think <laughs> you're right. If we're all feeling that way and if we're all saying like, man, real plates, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> I know. And I know it's not so very environmentally happy, but, right, I you know. know, I just have to manage where I can. You know, exactly. that's what I think. Exactly. And I yeah. at least I buy the cheap little cheap flimsy ones where you almost need two of them to use them, you know? Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. And I I always tell myself, like, well, at least we don't eat real meals that often. So, I mean, I'm only actually using the plates like <laughs> twice a week because the rest of the time I'm like, get something. I don't know. Feed yourself from right? the fridge. <laughs> I know. Well, see, and I homeschool mine. So I'm, yeah. I'm doing breakfast and lunch. So, you know. Yes. They're on their own for breakfast and lunch. I'm sorry. I'll yeah. make dinner, but breakfast and lunch, like, go find stuff. Yeah. I think that's super wise. I think that's really wise. Well, you're sure. super sweet to say that. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Last night after after church, my husband's a pastor. And so I know that sounds crazy, like last night after church. But after church is over and we finally get home and finally get settled, it feels like all of a sudden and it's nighttime. Right. And so it was like six o'clock and the kids were like, what's for dinner? And I was like, Really? already again you want to eat again like I feel like we just sat down for the day I know they're like little food machines you know I know yeah well I love how you said in in that series let's just start with our brokenness Mm -hmm. with our confession by being real and beginning right in the middle of our mess you know Mm -hmm. of our muddy mess and I know that brokenness has been something that you've been familiar with. Life has broken you in a myriad of ways, even all those years ago. So as a child growing up, where did that brokenness, where did your mud story begin? Mm, you're such a great question asker. I'm, uh, I love people who are good question askers. I'll tell you, um, childhood's funny, right? Because it's interesting to talk about it without putting blame on someone else. And I, that, that would be the last thing I would ever want to do. I think, um, I was born, <laughs> I was born. So that's where we were born. Yes. <laughs> um, I was, I say I was almost born to a single mom. My, my parents were together for a season, but I don't ever remember them being together. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom was a single mom who, when I look back, I just think what everything she did was miraculous. I think single moms are just like the biggest heroes. And I think she was absolutely doing the best she could with what she had. And so there's, I would never want to place any blame on her, but I would say from a really early age, I, um, I felt like I was lacking. I felt Mm -hmm. like as a human, as a woman, as a girl, that like there was just a real sense of lack in me, um, whether it was physically, um, I have a six and a half year old daughter and it always is so interesting to me now that she's getting older to notice that as of yet, praise the Lord, like she doesn't have any kind of body image thoughts or issues. Like she's literally never even mentioned like her body Mm -hmm. in like being proud of it or being, 
you know, frustrated by it. And it's so interesting to me because my very first memories, my very first memories as a human were like feeling insecure about my body. Mm. Um, and I can remember being, you know, like three and four and, um, and feeling really like un, unbeautiful. <laughs> um, and like I was really lacking and, um, so hard. Yeah. So I think, I think I, I always say like, I I have a little sister who wasn't born until I was 11 or 12, but I almost feel like even before she was born, I just had like a very consummate middle child feeling like mm-hmm. I, I always use the phrase too much and never enough. Like I, I felt like my personality was really loud and boisterous, but that at the end of the day, like I was still just very lacking as a person. I wasn't ever kind enough. I didn't like things that normal girls liked. I didn't like babies. I didn't um, like to play with dolls. I didn't, I was never into any Disney movies, you know, even just as a little kid. And so, um, yeah, so I would just say feeling like that just like constant brokenness of, of not enough um, that I know I think all women struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. But I think even as a kid, I was just a really introspective thinker. Um, and so I just thought about it a lot. I thought on it a lot and had really, um, kind of full blown ideas about how I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Well, and that feeling of lack leads Mm -hmm. us to make some decisions and some conclusions that aren't always the healthiest for us. And we all respond differently to those feelings of lack or brokenness. But for you, what did that lead you to? Where, where did you take that? Yeah, um, really almost as soon as I could, disturbingly soon for um, people, like when they hear my story, I became sexually active really young. And so just immediately kind of sought um, sought affirmation mm-hmm. and wholeness. In, Feeling uh, that hole. Exactly. Feeling that hole in your heart. Yeah. yeah, and just wanting someone to say, like, you're good, you're beautiful, you're enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I want and, you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and almost any other thing typical thing that you can think of drugs alcohol um pornography like anything that went along with that lifestyle of someone who would be like a very lost adult Mm -hmm. um i i experimented with and 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 tried to fill the void in my life just but just a lot younger um well and in those activities and those behaviors there's like a community that develops exactly and and so even though you know probably in your heart that it's not satisfying and there's you always need more and escalate it to a higher level you at least feel like you belong somewhere yes exactly exactly exactly. so hard Mm -hmm. so yeah that would that that all carried on until I was about 14 and I um met Jesus just through like a miraculous um night and after really meeting Jesus and feeling conviction for the first time Mm -hmm. um I still super struggled because right that's where my community was I knew Jesus but I didn't know any Christians and so I kind of lived this double life on the inside where Mm -hmm. I would genuinely go home and want to read my Bible and want to spend time praying. Um, I didn't have that kind of like high school youth group life where people were like, I should read my Bible more. Like I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to know Jesus. I just didn't know how to stop doing the things I was doing because that was a of all physically what I was used to. And cause it was just who was around me. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So hard. So you accepted Jesus so we can know that it's not a fix all miracle, you know, ending for us when we meet Christ. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that he reaches down to where we are. We don't have to clean all up, you know, to be accepted by God. Mm -hmm. And so talk to me a little bit about what that looked like as you continued to walk in a broken way. I know you met your husband early Mm -hmm. and got married young. How did that play out as you began to try to overcome the addictions and the lifestyle and break out of that community. How did that look in your life? For me, it looked like about, let's see, probably about 10 solid years, maybe 11 solid years of kind of dancing around identity and Jesus Mm -hmm. and, and wholeness. And, um, I think really early on, I right, Christ reached out he saved me just through some like grace, not by my own choice. I ended up meeting a community of believers, <clears throat> excuse me, while I was in high school and my husband was one of those. And so mm-hmm. 
started dating him, started spending time around believers. As as months and years went on, I um, started to kind of, like the Lord helped me, weed out some of my more secret sins. He would like let me leave some of those behind and walk in, walk in some freedom. And some took longer than, than others. I, I always tell people like my joke, it's not a joke, it's pretty sad, but um, but just to give people like some groundwork from where I'm working with, <laughs> I was a secret smoker for about 10 years after becoming a believer, even after having my kids. Yeah. Um, and would just do that behind my husband's back, do it behind the church's back and didn't, I mean, you know, would be a normal Bible study going gal. And um, my husband was in seminary at the time, but I just had this like very secret addiction. But the Lord just like weeded out thing by thing by thing and just broke chains. And the whole time I would say I was still very much trying to just dance around identity and see mm-hmm. like, who am I supposed who am to I? be? Yeah. What is a Christian woman supposed to look like? And, um, and I would say through, um, through really a season again of just breaking and, and coming to the point where I had really nothing good about me. I had nothing, um, good about my life that, that other people would look at and say like, that's attractive. I want that. I got to a a broken place where I realized like, Oh, the gospel was for every day. Like the good Mm. news that he, that he is there for me and that he wants good for me and that he loves me and that he takes care of me and that I'm covered in his blood. That wasn't just good for the day I was saved. It's good for every single day of my life. And I can, my life can look very tidy or it can look very busted and he is still good. And that is truth. And yeah, um, I think too, when you talk about, you know, your secret smoking and how being broken is a process of becoming healed by God, mm-hmm. because, you know, let's be honest people put categories on sin and yeah. and and I think some of us when we come to Christ especially if we're teens or older and didn't like grow up in that culture yeah. I I think sometimes we get the false impression that there's this big long list of rules and yeah. and we are trying to join this club to get yeah. into God's club right and yes. and so we're told unfortunately by some very well-meaning people mm-hmm. that you have to jump through hoops and you have to do this and you'd have to quit your addictions quit i mean even smoke smoking is right. a chemically addicting calming affecting kind of activity and yes. yeah it's harmful to your own body but you know people are gossiping and having pride and cheating right. on their taxes exactly. you know it's like exactly you know exactly. and so yeah. but but the unfortunately the legalism in some christian circles creates even more of a difficulty to become healed and, Mm -hmm. you know, not be as broken as we were when we come to Christ because of all that. And so just sorting through all of that shame and guilt on top of it, that's really imposed by other people who are well-meaning, but unfortunately not really grasping the profound, deep love of God that really covers all things. And, um, I think for anybody out there struggling right now, you know, maybe, you know, having a cigarette behind their husband's back or whatever. And they honestly, deep in their heart, love God and they've Mm -hmm. given their heart to Christ. It doesn't mean they're out. It doesn't mean it's not going to be okay, And it doesn't mean that there's not hope. I want them to hear that. Exactly. Yes. And it doesn't mean that, yeah, they're not okay right where they are. Right. And that God doesn't love them less. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. some of these things God wants us to do to save our own hearts from pain. Yeah. You know, not because he's not going to love us. So, so you, um, continue life didn't get perfect when you met Jesus, you know, and life often doesn't for, for most of us. So, okay. So you, you get married and you have some special blessings arrive Mm -hmm. in a speedy way. Tell us about that. Yeah, I had, my husband and I got married when I was 20 and, um, we, our plan was, you know, maybe, maybe one or two kids, maybe eight years down the road. You know, just once we're ready. Once I love we how feel. we plan. Exactly right. It's like I know, I know what's good for me. Um, and we got pregnant eight months after we were married, and we're just excited and a little overwhelmed. And I was never like a mom, mom, so I didn't know like this is definitely what I wanted to do. But I was like, let's go with it. Let's see how this works out. Um, and then when our son, our first son, was four months old, we got pregnant again. 
And um, during the midst of that pregnancy, we were also moving cross country to run a maternity home. So we were going to have pregnant teenagers living with us, which was interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Well, and you've moved a lot, right? Yes, we have. We've moved 10 times in nine years and we are hopefully never moving again. Oh, Jess. Um, Lord willing. I know. (laughs) It's crazy town. Most of us were city moves. Like they weren't all, they, they were not mostly like within one city. There were two totally different cities or states, but we, yeah. So we were running this maternity home, had our daughter, really hard second baby. She had lots of health complications and, um, you know, we were like living across country away from our family. And, um, when she was four months old, we found out we were pregnant again. <laughs> so <laughs> we had, yeah, super similar to your kids being yeah. together. We had three in three and 36 months and, and officially like two, three under two for mm-hmm. a little bit, three under two and a half for a long time. So hard. Oh. Yeah. Just really interestingly hard, but, mm-hmm. um, but God was good, but I do, I'm so, I'm so glad for things like this and for just ideas like the mud stories, because I feel like even now I'm not even super separated from that season. My oldest is seven and a half. Right. Um, so you're in the trenches not, still. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I, it's not like I have 20 year olds, but mm-hmm. it's further, it's far enough out that women who can kind of casually look at my, my website or Instagram or, um, our story online, like they don't see any of that. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't see, you know, a span of years where, um, you know, we didn't have money for groceries. My husband was in seminary and we were in ministry. And then, um, when we got, when the Lord called us out of that ministry was right when the economy crashed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were, we always say like, we remember specific days where we would search the car for quarters to, to buy milk and bread. And, um, you know, just weigh out every single like huge health issue that my daughter had because we knew like we don't have insurance. This is like putting us further into debt. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just easy to look at the picture now, you know, only, only six or seven years out and, and, and it looks tidy and easier and fun. Um, but very much for those few years, it was every night I, my husband and I talk about this a lot and I, I wrote a blog post about it a while back. I'm not even sure how long ago it was, but I talk about this couch that we had. We had this, this one sofa when we lived in Seattle. And I feel like to me in so many ways, like when I think of the gospel, I think of that couch because I would sit on it after I got the kids to bed, these three kids who were so beautiful, such Mm -hmm. blessings, but so overwhelming, Mm -hmm. um, all three in diapers and, so hard. would be, yeah, it would just be so overwhelming to be at home with them all day. No car. These, I did not have a cell phone. I did not have a laptop. I did not have the internet. It wasn't like, it wasn't like even motherhood is I think now because it was, you know, six or seven years ago. So things right. were just different and we were very poor. So, right. um, just, I would feel so isolated and I would sit on that couch and wait for Nate to come home and, and just hope he would come home with good news. Um, hope he would come home with some job that would have saved the day or that a randomly like someone would have given him some money or just, just really hope. And he would go home so late at night because he'd be working odd jobs mm-hmm. or just doing what he could to get by and he'd come home and, and he'd have nothing and I would have nothing. Like it wouldn't be like I would have, I was some great mom who could say like, listen to what we did today. Or I taught my kids this, or, um, let me tell you this amazing story because I was so busted myself and, and we just had nothing to offer each other. And it was like on that couch that we really started to understand the Lord and started to understand like when you have nothing and I have nothing, we have everything. Mm. And, and that, I don't know. That's what I think about when I think about these women, all of us really who have our mm-hmm. own mud stories or who have mud stories coming, you know, um, is, I don't know. I, w- I wish I could sit with them all on that couch and say like, mm-hmm. it's okay. This is actually where it gets good. This right. is where life gets good, you know? Right. And, you know, I don't know how, how it felt for you, but for me, I had one year where I had three under age four. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to date, that was probably the hardest year, hardest year of motherhood for me so far. And um, 
it's it can be very depressing. Yeah. I mean, you've got these blessings in front of you, and yet you're just trying to live hour to hour. I mean, the goal was nap time. If I could make yeah. it to nap time, absolutely. If I could just get you know wait and hold the older ones, the toddlers off until the baby was gonna sleep, and then try mm-hmm. to make them sleep when the yes. baby slept, and then like try to lay down. But as soon as you start to doze off, then one of them wakes up. I mean, you've just got so many variables. Like you get one settled, and then the next one needs something, and it's just like a rotating merry-go-round all day and you just feel like you're spinning 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 and you're just like done you're Mm -hmm. at least in those early early years I mean the the challenges now with older ones are different but they they're still there I mean the challenge there's still challenges and um I'd love if you'd share a little bit about the depression that you struggled with because Mm -hmm. I think that hits a lot of people and maybe some more severely than others but Mm -hmm. um speak to that a bit if you could yeah I would say I had like I had varying different seasons of depression. I would say I think the first time, um, the first time I kind of started to say to myself, like I think I might struggle with depression is right after we had our second daughter, mm-hmm. and I just um, I was in such a fog, and I would call. I would say um, I use the phrase "bad Tuesdays" a lot. I would say like, I have bad Tuesdays. And for some reason, every Tuesday I find myself crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would just be like my breaking point in the week where maybe Mondays I'd be like, I got this. <laughs> but by <laughs> Tuesday, I was like, I don't, I don't have this. And I like, don't got this. Yeah. yeah. And just, I, for, for that season, it felt to me like an overall lack of joy. Like I just, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't have, um, it wasn't, I, I, I wasn't open enough with anyone else to tell them I felt that way, Mm -hmm. minus um, occasionally my husband. Um, So a lot of times when women will say, like, I struggle with depression, and and they'll describe what sounds to me like a bad Tuesday season, Mm -hmm. I'll say, like, I think a huge part would be um, my huge, like, advice to them for most of that is just tell someone. Just just go to somebody and say, like, hey, I, I struggle with, like, having joy or um, I feel like, I feel like this is, this season is really hard. Just mm-hmm. voicing that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully word willing, usually when it's the right person, um, that person can usually say back like, uh, okay, I want to fight with you. Like, I want to pray with you. I want to send you scripture. I want to check in with you. Or like sometimes physically, I just want to make your life better. Like, do you need company? Um, right. It's very lonely. It can be exactly. I mean, a lot of depression is related to just feeling so isolated. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so just having a friend that, you know, okay, on Tuesdays, we go to a play date together and maybe it's crazy, but at least we like, we are intentionally together and laughing. And I had amazing community during that season, but I didn't have, um, I didn't have people who knew what I was going through because I just didn't open up about it. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, um, Right after that, around the time we had our third son and right around the time we left the maternity home and, and spent like two or three hard years, um, I I definitely would say I struggled with depression then, but it was very situational. Um, it, I had the like heaviness of, I don't have a lot of joy about this life. I feel very tired. You know, I don't have the like power and excitement and thrill of like, this is what I get to do. But on top of that, then... I just had some situationally very, very hard things and um, just, you know, actually not having money to, to be able to do things or, um, or not having a phone to be able to just mm-hmm. contact someone or reach out, um, right. being isolated from family. And, um, and I think that there is something in us that when there's situationally things wrong, we feel like we shouldn't then be depressed. Like we should count it all joy and it should be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think sometimes it is, Jesus can just fix it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Or like if we're just a little more hopeful, um, that it'll be okay. But I think that during that season, um, when women kind of describe something like that to me, like they're having very situationally hard times, Whereas if they're struggling with just like an overall lack of joy or contentment, um, I might encourage them to go to people. I think for me during that season, I kind of stopped going to the Lord and Mm. I kind of stopped letting myself feel, um, and letting myself say like, this is really hard and this is, this is not good. And, um, 
I certainly wasn't saying that to anyone else, but I definitely wouldn't have said it to the Lord. And I definitely wouldn't have poured out my heart to him. Um, and, and you've heard me say this before. I, I think if I had to live that season over again, I do think I could do it and I, and I would physically be okay. And I think that's part of the whole, right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think now going back, I could live that season and it, there, it would absolutely be situationally hard, but my life is situationally hard now. Mm -hmm. It's just that I also now get to have like a vibrant, open relationship with Jesus where I tell him, Hey, that was hard. Like, can you help me? Um, well, because some sometimes we have this impression of God that he's up there and he only wants to hear from us when we have a perfect scenario, an hour's worth yeah. of time. Um, we have all our ducks in a row and we're all cleaned up and ready, you yeah. know, and yeah. when you're when you feel lacking of hope and joy and you feel overwhelmed by life circumstances, whether it's motherhood or a super busy corporate job or maybe um, aspirations in college or maybe, you know, you're an empty nester, you know, heading Mm. toward retirement and you're like church volunteer guru and everybody wants your time. You know, whatever it is, we tend to get in this performance mentality with God Mm. and um, we really shortchange our own hearts when he's just waiting with arms open and he says you know give me your five minutes in the car give me your two minutes while you're cooking frying up that you know hamburger meat for tacos you know whatever it is you know just be mindful of me that whole verse about rejoice always pray without ceasing Mm -hmm. it's a it's a heart posture more than Mm -hmm. it is a duty or activity don't you think yes and so um i love that you're talking about getting not only sharing our mess with another person because sometimes there's just nothing as friends we can do to fix each other's situations but one thing that is so powerful I think is two things the power of presence and the power of touch because I think Mm. a lot of us we don't get touched enough and um, we also don't just sit in silence to just be together instead we try to just offer little quips or if you would this or if you would that or if you would you know write a list of things you're thankful for, right? You know, your prayer out to God or get up earlier in the morning, you know, whatever it is. And so then guilt gets added to our lack of feeling clean to show up to God. And we just feel like God can't handle our, yeah. our stuff. Yeah. You know, and um, so I love that you are a testament to how you pushed through that, through those hard seasons, unfortunately learning the hard way. Mm-hmm. But share with us what you came to learn as you began to go to God with all of the the mess, you know? Yeah. Well, I ha- yeah. And I have to say too, like I have to continue on. Unfortunately, I wish I could say like, and then I just started like seeking the Lord and everything was fine. <laughs> um, but it yeah. wasn't. And so I, my last thing I would say is not that like I obviously didn't just categorize depression into three like tidy categories because that is not right and I don't have any kind of degree. But I would say from there, um, I need to continue on and say it got much worse. Um, and it wasn't just that I had like a lack of joy and a lack of t- contentment. It wasn't just that I had hard situational things. But because I continued to kind of stuff that, I think then I had a combination of some some like genuine um, physical depression, some Mm -hmm. actual, you know, issues with hormones and imbalances. And, um, and then I also, I think I let a lot of room in and, um, and, you know, my mental processes were so, um, backwards in the way that I process things to where I then became, um, incredibly suicidal and, and knew I cannot be alone. Like Mm -hmm. physically, um, my battle was every day I would tell Nick, um, I would tell him later, I wasn't as open about it, but I, but pretty much every day was just deciding like, am I going to cry out today and say like, I need someone to stay with me today? Or am I going to let myself be alone Mm. um, so that I can harm myself or so that I can see Mm. if this is the day where it works out or where I'm, you know, brave enough. And, and the overwhelming lie that was in my head Mm. um, that I always, it hurts to like speak it out, but I always want to speak it out to women to say like, if this is in your head, this is a lie Mm. and you need to hear that is, but the lie that I constantly heard was everything would be better if I wasn't here, Mm. Um, that my kids would be better off, that my husband would be better off, that um, our church would be better off, that my my extended family would be better off. And I could, I could believe that with everything that I was and I could work it out. Um, 
in every situation and see how everyone would be better if I wasn't here. And so um, I have to say for me at that point, the answer was not just tell a friend. The answer was not just, you know, spend some time with the Lord. The answer was get physical help. Um, And I had to get in counseling. I had to. How did um, you find a counselor? um, I just asked. Well, I didn't ask a friend. A friend told me, (laughs) you're going to call my counselor. I would say go to anyone who seems safe, but don't wait for the perfect person. Right. Um, don't and and even like uh, women will say to me occasionally, like I, you know, I want to see a Christian counselor, or but I'm not sure about this one, and I don't want to really see a man. And I get that, and I think finding the preference of who is good is good. But if you're in a place where like you're having suicidal thoughts or, Mm -hmm. or you have gotten to an incredibly dark place. Like don't wait for the perfect person. Um, you know, you, you absolutely can go to a hospital or you can go to a non-Christian counselor and it's probably not going to be the best long-term solution, but it will get you in a situation where you're, you're in a safer place, you know, um, exactly. And, and I mean, and that it doesn't always have to be a counselor because that is a scary first step. Um, but I, I, yeah, a friend actually came to me and said, I, I had two really loving friends who kind of came to me and did an intervention and said, this is like more than normal depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, at that point, no one had even used the word depression with me. Um, and they didn't know anything about what was going on in my thought life. They didn't know anything about suicidal attempts. They didn't know. I'd actually already attempted suicide twice at that point, and neither mm-hmm. of them knew about it. And they came to me and just said, like, this um, – this can't keep going on anymore. Like we have to stop this and we, we need you to go see a counselor and we're going to talk to your husband. And I'm so grateful for them. Wow. Um, they gave me the name of a counselor. I called, I made an appointment and you know what is interesting is nobody called me back. Um, and wow. I don't, to this day, I still don't know what the glitch is. I don't know, you know, if I said my number too quickly or if I yeah. didn't leave the message the right way, but I waited about three weeks Um, and that friend came back to me and she was like, Hey, did you call the counselor? Because this isn't a joke. And I said, I did. They didn't call back and she was like, well, we're going to do it together right now. Like we'll call together and I'll help you and I'll just make sure that you're here. And, um, and so I guess that's a good word too. If you know anyone like that, or if you, Mm -hmm. if you're watching a friend go through this, absolutely. there's always, um, whether we're the person struggling or whether we know someone's struggling, there's always this thing in us as women that doesn't want to be too dramatic. Like right. we don't want to make a big fuss. We don't want to bother someone. But I think I think we all just need the permission and, and the reminder to hear like we really – when it's somebody's well-being and it's somebody's like mental health or their spiritual health, like we can't be too dramatic or we can't be too on their team. You know, we can't yeah. like protect them too much. So – Um, Well, and that was a risk for them to come to you to do an intervention. But yet sometimes, you know, maybe if it's not what we struggle with, but maybe it's been something in our past, you know, we've all we all have mud. Just we all have gone through stuff. And I think it's no, you know, benefit to anyone to walk around pretending like we don't have stuff because we do. Because I like to say the people who who think they don't have stuff, they're just in denial that they have stuff, you know, to deal with. And so, you know, if we're currently in a healthy place or in maybe we're in a mess, but not in a, in a profoundly um, mind altering mental battle mess, Mm -hmm. we can seek those people out and really be that intervention for people, not in a formal way or condescending way, but in a, I love you and care about you and you matter and you're, your God made you and he wants to use you for a purpose and your life is important and I yeah. care, you know, and you never know the kind of impact you can make in someone's life by taking a small risk and saying, you know, cause as women, we have intuition and, mm-hmm. and I know the guys out there listening, they can testify to this because they mm-hmm. either have girlfriends or wives or whatever. You know, yeah. sometimes there is no explanation other than she just knows, you know, she yeah. just kind of senses. Mm-hmm. And so just to like listen to that little quiet voice and move on it and reach out because you never know the different look at the difference that they made in your life that day. Total, yeah. total right turn. Right Absolutely. there. And Absolutely. Um, you wouldn't be where you are today doing what you're doing, using your brokenness to minister to other people mm-hmm. and help them know that they're not alone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. If someone hadn't done that for you, I think yeah. who knows what, what could have happened. And so Absolutely. just getting outside ourselves, loving others, looking for those opportunities, even though it's super scary. 
because mm-hmm. as women, we can be scary to each other. Yeah, I think you so. Know, judgmental, think so. you know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. But it's totally worth it. It's totally worth the pressing in. Well, as our time comes to a close, I just would love if you would share a little bit about the concept of how sometimes as we're broken, as we live in messes, we don't really like it. Mm-hmm. And we don't really either feel like a God can do anything with us or that we'd be profitable for him to use us at all. Yeah. Or if maybe sometimes in our brokenness, we get a little prideful mm-hmm. and don't want to share because we want to have a facade that we're all together, even when in the inside, we're just breaking into. Mm-hmm. And, um, can you speak a little bit about that and how to power through that and yeah. overcome that and um, journey toward God through it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think as Christian women, um, we have a really unique perspective, and it's one that we can kind of accept and we can totally run in, or we can kind of hate it. <laughs> and I think yeah. um, I think what you said is so applicable really to any season. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think for women who feel like their lives look very broken or that they look, um, you know, not very put together or like they'd like them to look, um, they feel this, right. They Mm -hmm. feel that tension. But I think that this, the answer to what you're asking, what I, what I think is the answer, what I feel like is for me, I really feel like we all need to hear it. And, and it's for all of us, whether our lives feel tidy or they don't. And anyways, I think the answer to that really is this beautiful perspective we have of um, our life really is actually not about us. Mm-hmm. And it can be very relieving to hear that um, when our life is a mess. And it can be very off-putting to hear that when our life is awesome. Right. And yeah, but, yep. the, but the thing is we aren't striving um, – and I know you've heard me say this before, but we aren't striving to be inspiring. Um, mm-hmm. and, and wherever we're at, whether things are going good or going poorly, I think there's the temptation for us to be like the world and say like, okay, we want to be inspiring. We want to be inspiring women. We want, um, to have, you know, to have it somewhat, somewhat put together lives mm-hmm. with something people can look at and be encouraged and, um, and, you know, to some degree want to replicate, but the gift that we have as women of God is that we actually don't have to be inspiring. We, we actually can't be inspiring, but we can point to a God um, that we are inspired by. Yes. And whether situationally we have it all together or situationally, you know, we're in the thick of it. We're in the mud. We have the same responsibility, which is just to look to him, be inspired, be in relationship with him, walk with him. And the great awesome news about that is that we get to give that to people wherever we're at. Um, And I think one of the most genuine times to give someone the gospel is when you're receiving it and when you're taking it for yourself. And I think one of the most dangerous times to share the gospel is when you're not applying it to your own life and when you're not receiving it. So, um, Just if we can grasp one verse a day even and really just say a simple prayer to God, God, I want to be where you are. I want you to fill me with your goodness and thank you for your grace and mercy. And so whatever you have for me today, help me see it and help me try to let this verse steep. Let me steep in this verse Mm -hmm. and let somehow your goodness come through me today to someone and it can start our relationship with God can start even there you know it doesn't have to be like we're doing the big you know exegetical Greek and Hebrew studies you know of course there's a place for those things for sure but for people you know when you have three kids under three or four kids under five, like I did, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes one verse is all you can get, you know, and it's all you can do. Maybe you commute a long way or you, you know, are just super crazy busy building a business or whatever it is. And, you know, I love Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, it's not about how many quantity of verses we read or the amount of time we spend praying. It's about the posture of our heart and the willingness we have to surrender to whatever God wants to do so that yeah. we can be inspired by him, you know, 
yeah. um, because he's our source. So mm. I love how you champion that. Love mm-hmm. it. Well, I love how you are championing it. And I am just, I'm so grateful for this podcast. I think the, the, the internet needs more of this and mm. more honesty. And I love it. I'm so grateful. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate it so very much. I'm just praying that a lot of people will hear your heart from your story and know that wherever they are, whatever they're facing today, that they're not alone and there's hope. So, um, before you go, can you just share with everybody where they can find you online and, yeah. um, you know, track you down if whatever you want to share about what you're doing right now. And um, we're just so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I am, you can find me on my blog, which is jessconnelly.com backslash blog. Um, and I co-founded the Influence Network for Women, which is um, essentially just an online community to equip women in their projects and their passions um, and the place they are. And that is at theinfluencenetwork.com. Okay. And our um, small business is Naptime Diaries Print Shop, which is at naptimediaries.com. And I am all over all the social medias, and my <laughs> personal um, social media is Jess A. Connolly. So okay, and I will link. That. I will link to all that. Just say one more blurb about your print shop, because you know, oh, yeah. as we were talking about just one verse a day, that might be a really beautiful, awesome way people could be reminded if, you know, they find a verse that they love or maybe they can search for that. Tell them just a little bit about that. Yeah. Our print shop really for us started out of that broken season that I was just telling you about and me wanting scripture on all of our walls. And so now our family business is we sell scripture prints and canvases and just creative products to help people write scripture on the walls of their homes Mm. and their hearts. And, um, it's so fun. We love doing it and love being able to just provide scripture for people in a creative way that, yeah, it can encourage them and just help them hold on through hard times, but help them celebrate through great times too, for sure. Yeah. A way to be inspired by God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Jess, yeah. thanks so much. I hope Thank you have you. an awesome day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. Wow. Well, again, I'm so thankful for Jess for coming and sharing with us today so transparently and openly and honestly. I really, really hope that you found encouragement today in all that she shared. And I'd really also love it if you would head over to her shop called naptimediaries.com. You know, we can all use some inspiration and some encouragement. Even in our daily moments, you know, scripture is something that is always uplifting and redirects us and points us toward God and his love. And if you need that in your home, I would just encourage you to go on over there and check out all the prints that she has. It's really awesome. And you can also find maybe some gifts for the holidays coming up that you might want to share with friends or family. So check that out. As always, you can find all the show notes and links to everything mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 19. And again, I'm so honored and grateful that you took time out of your day to join me here. And if you have any suggestions for what topic or who you'd like to hear on this show, I know I got a couple emails last week, and I'd just love it if you'd feel free to email me. You can leave me a voicemail message or even a comment on this post. I know I'd love to know what you're struggling with, what keeps you up at night, What mud are you facing right now? And that'll just help me bring you the exact episodes that you need. And I'd also be so grateful again if you'd be willing to leave a rating or review over on iTunes, just a one sentence or a few words. It would just help so much. Uh, You can do that by going over to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And don't forget, uh, this month of November is characteristically dedicated to giving thanks, and I'd love it if you would join me in counting 1,000 gifts in 30 days. And yes, I've been counting 33 things every day that I'm thankful for, and some days are harder than others, I must say. But you know, we really have to find ourselves as noticers, people who really pay attention and really slow time down by noticing all the little things that we can give thanks for instead of fixating on all the ways we can complain or grumble or be discontented. And I know last week was a really hard week for me. Um, For whatever reason, the kids were crazy and it was just really hard to find those little things I was thankful for. But forcing myself to take my pen and write them down 
really made me search for them all the harder and really fight for that joy that we can have as we give thanks. And so if you want to join us, you can use the hashtag 1000GiftsIn30. And um, it'll just be awesome to meet up around that hashtag and just see what we're all giving thanks for. So again, the theme song to this show, it's called The Grateful Song. And it is my prayer today that no matter what we're facing, where we've been, or what lies ahead, may we all find our grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. Never in you, Mama, feels a press upon my mind. I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never any mother feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul song